All right, 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you will, this morning. We're, we're going to take a break from our heaven study uh, just for this morning because of Independence Day. Uh, it's an interesting, yesterday was the 4th of July. By the way, we have been conditioned to call it the 4th of July. It's not. It's Independence Day. So that's the title of this morning's message. It's Independence Day. And actually, the whole month of July was, an, was Independence Back in 1776, they celebrated the whole month, not just a day. The signing of the Declaration was on the 4th, but uh, they celebrated the whole month, actually, when you look at the history book. So I just wanted to talk this morning about, uh, about some things about Independence Day, really our Independence Day, uh, not so much as a country, but as believers. Uh, I've been shocked, honestly, with uh, the stuff on the news and the TV and the Facebooks and the, and the, 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 the lack of knowledge of the history of what was going on in 1776 and subsequently with the Declaration of Independence and everything. And again, I'm not going to give you a history lesson. I look around the room and most of you folks could give me the history lesson on a lot of that. But I've also been rather shocked by believers, uh, their panic, their fear, their paranoia that has come across either in... So, and so, you okay back there? Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. There we go. A phantom baby, huh? Okay. So, anyway, so, <laughs> nothing like to kill the mood or the momentum, building the momentum, you know. But I've been looking around, and, 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 and I've been really kind of surprised at some of the reaction by people who, quite honestly, ought to know better, if I could say it that way, who, who, who ought to be able to stand there with a sound mind and with some, with some fortitude and with a little bit of a backbone to be able to say and look at things and to know that, you know what happens? Paul says that, that evil men are going to wax worse and worse and not get caught up into everything that's out there. And sometimes we just simply need to be a reminder. I remind myself, Paul said, comparing, yourself, um, uh, comparing yourselves among yourselves is not wise. So I real quickly kind of back up and go, okay, my ministry, my job is to minister to you guys here. And when you get into social media and you get into those other areas, sometimes you tend to get sucked into stuff that normally you would be not sucked into. And I'll be honest with you, we need to understand as Bible believers what God isn't doing, what he is doing, and we understand that dispensationally and right division, but then in our lives. And we need to keep a proper biblical perspective on things. I heard a gentleman just this past week whining, and that's what he was doing, about having to wear a mask or not wear a mask, and this gentleman ought to know better, okay? And, you know, he was just, it was a complaint. And I'm like, you know, dude, be quiet. You have people listening to you. You need to be quiet about this or to stand up and take it. Now, whether you wear a mask or not, that's your business. It's called choice. <laughs> that's what, we live in a country where we have choice, and that's what it is. But the thing is, is when you begin to do that, you begin to lose perspective of things. 
And there was an interesting thing I saw online, maybe you did too, about an issue of perspective in these times. And there's this little thing, I, it was on Facebook, and it talks about an American born in 1900, okay? He says when, when someone was born in 1900, when they were 14, World War I started and ended on their 18th birthday with 22 million people killed. Later in the year, the Spanish flu epidemic hit the planet and runs until you are 20. 50 million people die from it in those two years. 50 million people. You just saw 22 million killed in the war. When you're 29, the Great Depression begins. Unemployment hits 25%. That runs till you're 33. Guess what? There was no welfare. There was no food stamps or bailout money. You're mostly on your own. The country nearly collapsed along with the world economy. GDP for the globe was, was down 27%. When you turn 39, World War II starts, and you aren't even over the hill yet. When you're 41, the United States is fully pulled into World War II. Between your 39th and 45th birthday, 75 million people perish in the war, and the Holocaust kills 6 million. At 52, the Korean War starts, 5 million perish. At 64, the Vietnam War begins, and it doesn't end for many years. 4 million people die in that conflict. Approaching your 62nd birthday, you have the Cuban Missile Crisis, a tipping point in the Cold War. Life on our planet as we know it could well have ended. Great leaders prevented that from happening. As you turn 75, the Vietnam War finally ends. Think of everyone on the planet born in 1900. How did they survive all of that? A kid in 1985 didn't think their 85-year-old grandparent understood how school worked, or I'm sorry, how hard school was. Yet those grandparents and now great-grandparents survived through everything listed above. That's a perspective when you think about life. And sometimes I think we miss that perspective. I, want, I'm, I read that online. I was like, wow, that's amazing to me. Okay, no bailout, no, no welfare programs. What would you do? I read that, by the way. Do you know what they didn't have that we have today? Social media. You know that? They didn't have that 24-7 in-your-face thing. So they were able to do. We have, we have a whole different generation now. And when you begin to think about perspective, which is what I've done over the last couple of weeks, I had an email from a lady, a dear lady, and she's like, you haven't said much about COVID. You've been talking about heaven. I, I said, well, if you die of COVID, where are you going? <laughs> Let's get to know heaven, you know. And, and, and I've been very careful really not to because I don't buy into the paranoia. I don't buy into the fear. I understand what it is. And that's just for me, okay? I understand Romans 14. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But I also understand 2 Timothy 4. And for some perspective, it was, it's been said, actually Peter Marshall said this, if you're not standing for something, you will fall for anything. And I'll be honest with you, we need to be standing for something. 
that isn't in the fear and the paranoia and, and all of that out there. We need to be standing as who we are, ambassadors for Christ. We need to be standing and walking and living our lives in the grace life principles. Because when the winds change and the things begin to change, 2 Timothy 4 verse number 2 becomes even more significant and important. Paul says to Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. That's a perfect picture to my mind of what you see. What's our job in verse 2? Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. When, when, it is, when, when we are preaching the word, that's what we're to do. But we're to do it in season when it's okay and comfortable to be preaching the word. Right? It's in season. Everybody's good with it. In the 1900s, I read you that list. Do you know what the other thing that they had that we don't have today? They had the Word of God as a fundamental baseline in, 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 in the fabric of our country. We don't have that any longer. So then guess what? Preaching the Word is now what? Out of season. See that? That's what Paul means, in season, out of season. In the moment, when it's good to go and you're, pre man, preach the Word. But guess what? When it's out of season... When they've turned from the truth and they've given over to, to fables and endless genealogy, you know what you need to be doing? Preaching the word. And I thought about that. And I thought about in connection to what we've been talking about going to heaven and, and looking at up there in the heavenly places and that issue of, you know what we need to do? We're to, we're to keep our identity and who we are in Christ in front of our thinking, in front of ourselves on a daily basis and on a constant basis. We're to keep the issue, issues of the grace life in front of ourselves. You come back over with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Hopefully you have the, the reference list there uh, on the printout. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, and I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. He says, for we, uh, that's not what he says. 2 Corinthians, uh, I'm in 10. <laughs> you need to be in 5. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. For, the, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that, he hath done whether it be good or bad. You see that issue about that in his body, the inner man, and we've talked about that. We talked about the judgment seat of Christ and when we were talking about the glory plan and everything, and we looked at that. And folks, what we're doing right here in time, it impacts our eternity. And what we do in our inner man, as we do 1 Corinthians 3, and as we begin to build in on that foundation, hopefully we are building in on that foundation sound doctrine. And I'll be honest with you, whining about whether you wear a mask or don't wear a mask, or whether you do this or don't do that, isn't building in sound doctrine. It's actually building in the wood, hay, and stubble. What builds in the sound doctrine? taking who you are in Christ, and then living it in the moment. And again, I realize that the time 
around us, come over to Galatians 5, are, are changing. We're in that cycle of the winter in our country. Things are dying. And in that winter time, institutions begin to die off and things begin to change. And I realize that. And I'll be honest with you, to mask or not to mask, that's up to you. With the temptation to be a... The problem with the mask or not to mask thing is you have that temptation to be a martyr. I'm dying on this sword of not wearing a mask or wearing a mask. Or being a rebel, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not, you know. And that's the wrong attitude about it. I understand Paul tells us to be a good citizen and, and so forth, but first he told us that we're ambassadors for Christ. And that's who we need to be. We need to be the Lord's free man. Galatians 5 here in verse number 1. By the way, John Knox said, A man with God is always the majority. That's an interesting thing. So if you're with God, you're doing what God, guess what you are? You're a majority. Even when you're standing alone. Galatians 5 and verse 1, Paul says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. We have Christ, we have liberty where? In Christ. Where, where does our freedom really run and reign from? It isn't from the Declaration of Independence. It isn't from the Constitution. It's in who we are in Christ. Do you realize there are believers all over this world that don't have a Declaration of Independence, that don't have a Constitution, and yet you know what they are? They're free. You see? Freedom and liberty in Christ. Outside of Christ, you know what you're not? Free. You're not independent. The truth of who we are in Christ is what sets us free from really whatever comes our way. Whatever comes down the pipe, you know what can happen? You can stand there and say, you know what? I I am going to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of mine. I'm going to stand here as who I am in Christ and I'm going to go to battle and I'm going to do it from that, that vantage point. That's why, flip over to Ephesians 1, I stress with you all the time the issue of understanding who you are in Christ. Because that's where true liberty and true freedom is. I, I, several years ago, I was reading an economics book. And I know, who sits down and just reads an economics book? But I was, and, and it was an interesting thing in there. It was, a, was made a mention about true freedom comes from economic freedom. And I'm sitting there going, wow, that's an interesting concept. The ability to go out and make money and produce and to do produces real freedom. And I got to looking and thinking about that concept and going, you know what produces real freedom? Christ does. Because what, what could happen to you today if they pulled you over and you made a wrong move and they put two bullets in you killing you? Where did you just go? Well, the front row knows where they're going. The rest of you I'm a little worried about. <laughs> where, you're going to go to glory, aren't you? Now, is what they did wrong? Sure, whatever. But what happened to you? What is really real? 
Ephesians 1, verse 3. Here's real. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You see, when we stand as ambassadors for Christ, his, his spokesman, and we go out and we proclaim grace and peace, see, we do that with the backing. Again, a man with God is in the majority. We go with his backing, with his, hey, I am, compl- Galatians 2, flip over there, Galatians 2, you know the passage. Verse 9 and 10, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Folks, we have all spiritual blessings. We, that is such a liberating doctrine to understand. That we don't, there's nothing that for us to do to gain the more. All that we have to do is rest in who we are in Christ and what we've already gained in him. That's true independence. That's true. Sit there going, you know what? Look at this. We're good to go. I've got liberty. I can stand fast in it. I'm complete in him. I love that. The head of all principality and power. The head of all of the government. The head of all of the universe. I'm complete in him. I'm not lacking anything. I'm not missing something. The puzzle's completely pulled together. We were cleaning out the garage yesterday again, uh, and just a section this time, and uh, we found some puzzles that we had put together, the, Linda and the girls had put together over the years and had glued them together, and we're looking at it going, wow, that's a pretty cool-looking picture. We ought to frame it. You know, there was nothing missing in that puzzle. It was complete. You and I, spiritually, you know what we are? Complete. He said, and you know who we're complete in? The head of it all. You come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I have made a deal with myself, and I'm losing the deal, by the way, I bet, okay? (laughs) About social media and everything and cutting it back and curtailing it and everything. And again, it just floors me. I read Grace Believers, and they're saying, and I'm like, you should know. But but you know what? They're not practicing who they are in Christ. They're over here in stuff that isn't going to amount to anything in the long run. Paul tells us in Ephesians, we're to redeem the time. Because the days are evil. You're wasting your time. Yeah, but Rick, I want to get it. You know what? I, I often, I asked a guy one time on Twitter. I said, do you really think President Trump reads your tweet? Because he was blasting the president away. You know, they, it's funny. He'll tweet something. There'll be 50,000 comments. Every one of them's negative. There'll be just a few sprinkled in there positive. And I'm like, do you really think he's reading these? You know, they're blasting the governor. I type, and I blast the governor, too. I think he kind of neglected some of his duties. But I'm sitting there looking at it, I go, do you think he really reads this? And then I erase it, and I, because <laughs> I was talking to myself, <laughs> you know. Don't, yeah, don't hit him. <laughs> and I got it. Folks, I understand the, 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 the ability, the freedom that we have in our governmental structure 
to have that discourse and to have that uh, protest, if you will. I'm not saying don't. What I'm saying is, is when you do that, let's come from a proper reminder of remembrance of who we are in Christ. I'll, pro- I'll stand shoulder to shoulder. I hate the mask, but I still got to go in the grocery store. I'm sorry. I do. So what am I going to have to do? Order it online and have it delivered, right? That's what some of them do. But what do you do? You, you, you got, it is what it is. You standing up, isn't going to get anything done. Except you on Facebook or Twitter somewhere looking like an idiot. It's just what it is. When it comes to here, though, we got a little different say. But when you get out there, I'm not talking about conforming and just being a sheep to the slaughter. I'm talking about, listen, this is who you are in Christ, and what's our job in Christ? Preach the word in season and out of season. Let's be the ambassadors that we're to be. Let's stand there. And let's be, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to what? Every good work. Now the context is giving, but notice that verse ends in every good work, not just the work of giving and the offering and so forth, but in every good work, what do you have? You have all grace, you have all sufficiency, right? Abound. Isn't that fantastic? It abounds. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And our liberty in Christ is grounded. It's guaranteed. It's, notice that verse. And God is able to, what's that next word? Make. It's done. So that we have victory in whatever comes our way. We stand there, we look at it, we can object to it. I got it. I'm with you. We can, we can say, you know what? I got to go into the store. I got to do this. You go and you do it. I got it. You can say, they can't do this on my, whoop-de-doo for my Subaru, <laughs> as I was told I should say every now and then. Okay? You can do all, and I'm with you, and I've got you back. But let's do it from the proper remembrance of who we are in Christ and what our real job is to do. Come over to Romans 8. I think, uh, folks, I, I, again, uh, I, it's Independence Day. It's the weekend, you know. Romans 8.35, we got, you know, folks gone and so forth. And I, it just, you ever get to one, sometimes when you see something and just you, you kind of stew on it a little bit and then you finally go, okay, enough's enough, I got to say something. <laughs> and that's where this is coming from, Okay. But not because I, I, I don't know. Romans 8. Look at verse 35. I think about this stuff. I, I, I think about down through it. I pay attention to it. You and I ought to be paying attention to what's going on in our country. We, why? We live here. Okay? Paul was very aware of what was going on in Rome. He understood the laws. He claimed them. He used them. He went to court. He was thrown in jail. All the... He understood the system. I'm not saying you don't. I'm not saying you can't protest. You can't do this. You can't do that. What I'm saying is, is let's have the motivating factor be who you are in Christ. See? 
2 Romans 8 here, verse 35, Paul, in a great salutation of eternal security, <laughs> says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Wow, what a question. Man, put that across your computer screen. Mine says, what saith the scripture? Put that on a board, on a sticky note on your, on your cupboard, wherever, or in your desk, or wherever you sit and get involved in social media. Who's going to separate you from the love of Christ? Nobody. Can I just tell you the answer? But watch what he goes and does. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. You see that list there of all the physical things that come our way? Tribulation, the pressures of life, distresses, uh, no way to escape. Could you imagine going through the Great Depression without a bailout check from the government? Some of us couldn't think about it. Wouldn't even know how to, to survive without it. My gr grandfather, when he was, they were alive, used to talk about the Great Depression and having sock soup. You know what sock soup is? Boiled water with the sock in it. That's what he, and that's exactly how he would say He goes, that's all we had was just colored up water. And that's in the deep south. Okay. You have, I talked to Linda's grandmother when she was alive. She was born in 1897, somewhere in there. 99, somewhere along in there. I asked her about the Great Depression when she went through, and she goes, oh, you don't, I'm not going to talk about that. When she finally passed away and we cleaned out her trailer park, trailer home here, down here in South Tempe, you know what we found everywhere? Balls of aluminum foil rolled up, stuck all over the house. Why? Because what did the Great Depression, what you, you, kept, you kept everything. We went in and we found a stack. Remember when the, the Swanson TV dinners first came out and those metal trays? We found stacks of them everywhere. Because she had been what? Through a situation where she had nothing. Shall the tribulation, the distresses, the persecution... That's an adverse opinion that comes along and goes up against you for being a believer. Famine, economic pressure, nakedness, the absence of physical necessities, the peril, dangers of everyday life. Do you know how life is dangerous now? To where if you make a wrong turn into the wrong crowd, they'll pull you out and shoot you right there? It's dangerous. It's the sword. Do you know who the sword is? The government. Romans 13, who has the power to wield the sword? The government does. What happens? What's beginning to happen in our country? Well, Christians and churches, look at the onslaught against churches. It's not, can't sing, can't do this, can't do that. Well, you know, I'm just going, holy. Is any of that going to separate you from who you are in Christ? Not at all. Now, you worry about it as a dad, as a husband, as grandparents. Work down through it, figure it out. Verse 37. Nay, 
well, verse 36, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Notice the sheep for the slaughter thing there is in relation to what separates you from the love of Christ. All this physical stuff, no. You know why we're sheep for the slaughter? Is because we're account because we're killed all the day long. Because we're standing for who we are in Christ. Because we're preaching the word in season and out of season. We're standing in this neighborhood, in this community, in this city, in this state, as a light of, hey, here's where the truth is going to be preached. And yes, we do. We have sanitation stations everywhere. Yes, if you'd like to wear a mask, feel free to. It's not going to be required. If you don't want to, that's your business. That's between you and the Lord, Romans 14. We'll get there in just a minute. You thought we were going to be done at noon, didn't you? We'll be done. <clears throat> but see, the thing of it is, is you know what's important? Who are you in Christ? Because look at verse 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors. You know what's going to come up against you? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. All that's going to come up against you. All of that's going to happen in life. You know why? Because it's called life. And things happen in life. But more than, when you take that situation that you're in, and you begin to look at it, and you begin to say, you know what, I can turn this and use this to my benefit. Verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor debt, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 6, he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against who? Spiritual wickedness in high places, right? We Guess what's going to come up against you in verse 38? That spiritual wickedness, that battle out there with that angelic realm that you and I don't see because it's not in our physical, it's in the invisible, there it is. And you know what he says? Not even that mess is going to get you out of who you are in Christ. So let's go to battle. But the issue is verse 37, the more than. When we can take the situation that we're in, come over to 2 Corinthians 4, and we can take that and we can begin to turn it to our advantage. Paul, he's a Roman. The Roman Empire, first century, the greatest empire ever to rule the earth, period. The problem is, is they begin to do what we're doing now, what they did, and that is they begin to fall apart internally. But do you know what made Rome such a powerful empire? It's not that they conquered the known world. It's that when they did conquer the known world, they turned it to their benefit. In the very early days of the Roman Empire, they would go in and they would capture a territory and they would make all of the people instant slaves and drag them all the way back to Rome and so forth. And then it dawned on them... We don't have to do that. We can turn them, leave them where they're at, and make them pay taxes back to Rome. And guess what we can do? We don't have to ship them. We don't have all of that overhead. You know what we can do? Money, 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 baby. Don't ever think it's changed. First century, 
We don't have to spend the effort. We can leave them right where they're at, and now we can tax them at 50%, and we can drag that money home. We know what they became. They became a more than conqueror. They turned the situation to their benefit. You know what Paul saw? He saw that. He understood that. And you know what you and I can do? Same thing. When the pressures of life come on us, by the way, COVID is going to go away. There'll be something else that comes up. Okay? How long have we had the flu? Forever. As far as I know, it's always been around my life. <laughs> 50 years at least, right? Some of you are older than I. And you've had, it's always, but what does it do? It mutates, it changes, it does this or that. It is what it is, isn't it? God made your body a wonderful creation to be able to handle that and to take care of it and to deal and to do. No matter what comes up, you know what you can do? You can take that and turn it to your benefit, spiritually speaking. You guys with me? You see what, okay, 2 Corinthians 4. I love verse 15. For all things are for your sake. <laughs> In everything give thanks. <laughs> for all things are for your sake. Isn't that wonderful? All the things. Peril. Sword, distress, persecution, tribulation. You know what? They're for your sake. Well, gee, Rick, thanks, man. I was looking for a happy day today. Fourth of July, fireworks. Boy, what a day. But keep reading that. The intent, the re you know, do you understand why all things are for your sake? He tells you that the abundant what? Grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Boy, you look around at what's going on, and you know what we do? We become wimps, we become sissies, and we fall apart. And you know what? Sometimes I think Paul just wants to reach out there and smack you. You know what he says? He says, listen. Your thinking process, how you think about stuff, perceive it, and, and work it down through you ought to be based on verse 15 every day of the week. That all these things are coming so that the abundant grace would redound to his glory. So that I would take what's going on, understand who I am, do verse 16. The outward man had perished, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Renew that inner man with the sound doctrine. Take that moment. Verse 17, for a light, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us. Take that moment of, of uncomfortability, of uncomfortableness. Take that moment when things just seem disarray and calm your mind and slow it down and say, listen, this is an opportunity for me to have an abundant grace, that access and that grace that we have through who we are in Christ. And I can come in with boldness and confidence, sit there and look at it and say, you know what? I'm just going to have an iced tea and sit by the pool and read. I'm not going to shirk my duties and my responsibilities, but I'm just not going to go at it with an unsettled mind. Rather, I'm going to allow this moment to work for me. I'm going to allow this moment, I'm going to take this moment and I'm going to bring it into the redound to 
to the, that it may redound to the glory of God. I'm going to take the things, in my understanding, in my, in my thinking, verse 18, the things which are seen are what? What's that verse say? They're temporal, aren't they? Verse 18, which we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are what? What does temporal mean? They mean temporary, temporals. What it means is here today, gone tomorrow. It's like, kind of like the dollar in my wallet. <laughs> here today, gone tomorrow. Paycheck comes in, paycheck goes out. <laughs> okay. But the things which are not seen are what? Oh, are eternal. That's such wonderful news. What peace that can bring when we begin to look at our lives and then by faith, we walk by, look at verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Folks, listen, when we look at our lives, What's going on in them, all of the details, all of the situations, all of the circumstances. And then when we, by faith, make the intelligent application of the Word of God to those details of life, you know what we do? We bring glory and honor to God. And you know who sees it? Maybe nobody sees it except for Him. That's who sees it. That's what brings the peace Come over to Colossians 4. That's what bring, bring, begins to bring some, some relaxation, some calmness to your inner man, calmness to your thinking, calmness to the situation when you look around and you just go, you know what, <laughs> do you really think he's reading your tweet? You see... For me, that came after going, you know, Rick, what are you doing? You made a deal with yourself. You weren't going to get in this stuff. You weren't going to do this. And yet here you are. You just wasted an hour. Right? <laughs> and you go, well, you know, and then you look over and one of your buddies is going on. And it's like, dude, really? Okay. All you can hope for is the battery on the phone to go dead. Right? But then you go over get on the laptop and then you're really, and I got a keyboard now. You know? Hey, folks, I, I'm with you. I'm just like you are. <laughs> I've told you that. But, man, when you step back and you go, hang on a minute, what is, what's real? Look at Colossians 4. Look at verse 12, a verse that hit me this week. And I've read it 100,000 times probably. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you. Notice that. Here, Epaphras, he's one of the leaders there at the church at Colossae in Laodicea. Probably one of the elders, the pastors, the teachers there. Always laboring fervently you for, for you in what? In prayers. I sat there here, I was studying, I was, I was looking at that verse and going, you know, that's, Paul tells Timothy and he says, first of all, the local assembly, first thing done in the local assembly is to pray for each other. I look at that and I'm like, wow, how you doing on that, Rick? How you praying for everybody? How does that look this week? 
You've been all boiled up and all this other stuff. How's that working for you? Boy, the conscience excusing or accusing you real quick. I'm like, ooh, not too good. <laughs> See. But what's he praying for? That ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Now, we're complete in him. That's our identity. That's our position. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Perfect, mature. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17 over there, all scriptures given by inspiration. Okay? It's profitable for doctrine, proof, correction, instruction. That the man of God may be perfect, comma. That is, what is it to be perfect? Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Talking about maturity. He's saying, I want, I want the folks there to have some maturity and complete in all the will of God. I want you to take that identity that you have in Christ and appropriate that identity into your experience. That's what he's saying. I want them to take who they are in Christ and then by faith put it into the details of their life. And I'll be honest with you, I did that. I began to think about that. I began to look at that, you know, again, self-judgment. And you know what? I didn't pick up the phone again till later that evening. I'm just kidding. I didn't pick the phone back up. Because you know what began happening? I begin to thinking about this message this morning and everything that's been going on and what's and the next thing I knew, Linda's like, Are you coming home today? Because <laughs> you get busy. But you get busy about thinking about our liberty. You see, folks, we have liberty in Christ to think this way. To by faith take who we are and bring that, appropriate that, move that into our reality into our experience and it's done by faith you got a colossians look back at ephesians just real quick four this isn't on your list ephesians four ephesians four Look at verse number 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that, now watch, which every joint supplieth. Every member, every component, every person in this local assembly is critically and vitally important. Okay? That's what he's talking about. Here the, he's talking about the, whole, the church as a whole. But let's bring it down into us. All right? Now watch. By that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. All right? Every measure of, of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. What Paul's talking about is in, in that local assembly there at Ephesus, in our local assembly in here, every 
person, every part is vitally and critically important and you are vital and important to the degree, to the, degree the measure by which you by faith have accessed the grace that's ours. And then you've taken that grace and brought it into life. And where the grace life begins to live in you. You follow that? You're vitally important. But the measure, the, the component, the degree in which you make the impact is based upon the degree that you've taken the grace. Romans 5, 2. <laughs> look, look over there. This is the verse I'm thinking about. Romans 5, verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have access into this grace. All of the doctrine containing and that, that God has given to the Apostle Paul, that's given to us, the sound doctrine, the sound words. We have access into that. How? By faith. And when we access that, you go over and you look in Ephesians and he says, we have boldness and access with confidence. We go and we access that and we, we claim it. We bring it into, we appropriate it into our lives. Then Galatians 2.20 becomes a living verse to us. Where he says, I'm crucified, come over to Galatians 2. Verse 20, where he says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. I love that. Where do you live life? In the flesh. But now I can live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. His life living in you, that's the issue. You see, folks, we have liberty in who we are in Christ. We have this grace. You go and look in Romans 6 just for time. You know what? In Romans 6, you know what? We are free. We have freedom from sin, from the dominion of sin, from the control of sin in our life because of who we are. And so, uh, Romans 6, are you still in Romans? No, probably not. Romans 6, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Why won't sin have dominion over you? For you're not under the law, but you're under what? Grace. You know that verse. Romans 6, you're free. We have freedom in Christ. We have liberty in Christ over the sin and control of our sin in our lives. Romans 7, guess what you are? You're free from the law. The law does no longer have dominion over you. But you know what, though? With freedom, come over to 1 Corinthians 8. With freedom, with liberty, comes responsibility, comes accountability. You've, heard, you've always heard that. Freedom comes great cost or whatever. Usually in the country's sake, it's been the veterans and, and the folks who went to war and died and so forth. That, that, that tree of liberty requires the droplets of blood from time to time. 
no different for you and I spiritually. It required the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he made you free. But with that freedom, 1 Corinthians 8 and verse number 9, there's a great warning. There's great responsibility with it. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 9, But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Oh, you have to be careful with it. Come over to Romans 14. And I'm mindful of that. Again, as I sit and watch people and I, I sit there and I go, I know they know better because I've had conversations with them. And yet, look, and then I remind myself of, hey, you know what? How about Romans 14, Rick? Verse 1, him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, and another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge that eateth, for God hath, notice, received him. Who art thou that judgeth another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One, este one man esteem one day above another, and another esteem every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto who? And he that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. For he, he that eateth, eateth to the Lord, and for he that giveth... And for he giveth God thanks, and he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. Who, isn't that a wonderful thing for your liberty? You know what? That means we don't all have to always agree. Now, we're going to agree on the essentials. That's what Luther's cohort says. On the essentials, we agree, and on the rest, we'll have a conversation. That's the RJ version of that quote, okay? But drop down, if you will, to verse 8. For whether we live, we live under the Lord. And whether we die, we die under the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the who. <laughs> who are we? So with our liberty, and again, you can go to Galatians 5, verse 13. We're to use that liberty to, to by love, serve one another. I understand that. But with the liberty then comes some responsibility, some, some, some care that has to be taken. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You see, folks, Independence Day is a great day in our country, in our country's history, but it is also for you and I because your Independence Day spiritually came the day you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. And on that day, he made you complete. He set you free. He, made, he gave you all of the blessings you could ever need or want or desire or ask for. He took care of the sin stain. And he says, you're mine now. I want you to go and learn what that means and who you are and who I've made you in Christ and, and come in and, and, and look at and to do and to think about things and to think about the issues of my grace and the things about the issue of my love for you and what I've done for you and have that consume your life and have that consume your thinking. Because when you do that, verse 22 of 1 Corinthians 7, for he that is called in the Lord, being a servant is the Lord's free man. 
Likewise also he that is called, notice, being free, is Christ's servant. When you are who you are in me and you're operating in that and you're by faith appropriating all of this into your life, into your thinking and having that garnish and guide your thinking and guide your life to the redounding, to the glory of, the, of, of God, you know what he says? Then and only then are you truly free. Because when you begin to look around and you begin to redeem the time because the days are evil, when you look at this present evil world, and then you look at the who you are in Christ, you real quickly say, you know what this world needs? They need the Savior. And what I'm going to do now as the ambassador for Christ is I'm going to preach the word in season and out of season. And now I'm going to go to my family and my friends and my relationships that I have and I'm going to make sure that they've answered the question, or at least have had the question asked them. Has anyone loved you enough to ask you where you would spend, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Because that's what they need. They don't need a paycheck from the government. They don't need a bailout. They don't need any of all of that stuff. They need a Savior. It's always been said that when the money runs out, people go right back to the basics. Paul's day in the first century in Rome, they were falling apart like our country is from internal issues. Read the history books. And you know what Paul did? He stood on the street corner and said, you know what you people need? You need Christ. They threw him in jail for it. He didn't care. He went there singing. He was having a good time. Because you know what he did in jail? Guess what they heard in jail? He preached Christ. He says, hey, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place <laughs> to be here or to go to be with the Lord. But then he said, for me to live is Christ. It's more needful for me to stay here. I got that, but man, I'd rather be home in glory and let these people deal with it. <laughs> you know, that's what he was thinking. And that's Philippians. He's in, he's in jail, man. <laughs> these people can pound sand. He's as human as you and I are. You know there were days like that. But then he's reminded of who he is in Christ. So when we look at the times around us that seem to be changing, seem to be troubled, let's remember our Independence Day. And let's remember our job as ambassadors for Christ. And whether you like to do this or do that or don't want to do this or you want to go march on City Hall or whatever you want to do, knock yourself out. But I'm going to tell you what, all it's going to do is give you sore feet and a, bad, and a hurt back. Because eternity is what's going to be the issue. And when you know for sure where you're spending eternity, man, I tell you what, the rest of it can just pound sand. I'm not talking about being ignorant of what's going on. You need to. I tell you what, folks, you know, some of you under, older folks understand this. Some of our younger folks that aren't here, they will understand it real quickly. Their spending power is about to be cut in, in, in half, if not worse, from the economic fallout of what's happened over the last six, seven months. And I'm not talking about the stock market. I'm talking about down at the grocery store. It's going to hurt. 
And when that happens, you know what they real quickly begin to do? They real quickly begin to look back at the basic stuff. And the basic necessity of man is a savior. And that's what they need. So let's remember our Independence Day. We're free because of who we are in Christ. So let's go be his servant. Let's go be his ambassador, okay? All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. I thank you for the folks' patience, for coming out, for wanting to study and to listen and to learn. I thank you for their desire and their to, to listen to me <laughs> and to come and to, to learn what your word has to say in these matters. And Lord, I just pray that it would be uplifting to them. It would help them through. It would help them have the stability, and it would help them to be able to say we're more than a conqueror in this issue. In your name we pray, amen. All right.